Driving Double Feature presents Howling 2 and 7-2, episode 32. I'm Dan, I'm your host. This is a Minute by Minute podcast covering Howling 2 and Howling New Moon Rising, a.k.a. Howling 7. And uh, let's dive right in. We go minute by minute. We go in detail when there is detail, and we futz around when there isn't. And uh, let's see what's happening in this minute of Howling 2. Oh, we were at the... There was a ceremony. There was an old lady in front of an altar. The other... The the woman from earlier on who was at the disco and such is standing nearby. There is a, like a line of sort of half-naked S&M dressed kind of women. Uh, there are a bunch of women sort of um, uh, are, you know... Um, strung up by their arms, uh, you know, half-naked, and there are a couple guys there who have almost like um, fascist-y kind of things on it. Some people have furs on. It's all sort of a mix of things in a large sort of castle room. And um, the drums are beating, and the chanting is beginning as we're panning across, in the distance, um, the, the ladies in the row and this large room. So let's listen to this. A lovely day to shine on. That's what I thought they were chanting over and over again. Uh, they aren't, but the subtitles aren't really helping me out on the Blu-ray here. So um, I like love, day to shine on. Love, day to shine. On. I think it's fun. I think it's a. Fun, I think it's a fun chant, and they seem to be having a good time at it. Why not? And we, yeah, we like I said, we pan over the people, and we do see. Um, it's it's interesting because it's like. The room is a is a mix of there's there's some very convincing looking stuff and then some stuff that looks like they got it from sort of like a local like a like a grammar school putting on a haunted house you know in their school kind of feel um, so it's a mix of the two especially that thing at the very end of the minute there's some I don't know what it is yet is it a staff is it some sort of sacrificial knife or some sort of weird looks like a monster with its mouth open and another monster's flying out, sort of like the, the uh, like alien or the cat from the uninvited or something. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's a weird mix of, um, stuff that looks pretty authentic, um, authentic, whatever the heck it is. I mean, if this is, this is a werewolf society, right? And they've got the, the humans are presumably chained up, chained up because they, um, they're very, going to be very tasty. And um, I'm, I'm guessing all the S&M dressed women are werewolves, uh, about to become werewolves. Um, uh, maybe handmaidens or something to Sterba, the, the queen of the werewolves. And like I said, you see like one guy has like like a collar, like a like a uh, armband now with like spikes on it. You know, like um like black metal, like the guys in Immortal and stuff wear. Um, so it's kind of a mix of I don't know, fascism or the S&M mixed with the furs. Of course, if they're meant to be werewolves, I, well, I'm hoping they're not wolf furs. That doesn't make sense now that I said that. I wouldn't. Well, I, I guess if I were Leatherface, I would wear human skin. But I, you know, I, I normally wouldn't. 
I don't know if a human would a human skin would if if I were to kill someone and and I'm not saying I am going to but then I were to um take off their skin and then wear their skin on a cold day would that keep me warm in the same way that if I were to like, wear a bear fur or something like that or the wolf I guess they're wearing wolf here I, I don't know but um I wonder, maybe that's why Leatherface was doing it. Maybe his family couldn't afford fur. Maybe the local kids used to make fun of him, and so he, he got he got the only fur he could get, which was human human skin. Is this in one of the, the um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre films that I haven't seen? Isn't there one that tells the origin of Leatherface? Why would you want to tell the origin of Leatherface, sincerely? Just make another movie with a bunch of kids showing up and then getting killed. You know, why, why bother going back in time? Anyway, um, so it's it's this wonderful sort of mix of um, looks convincing, except for right there, and and some of the you know some of the extras are into it, and some of them look really bored, and um, so it's it's one of those tricky things, you know. It's it's a mix of, you know, it's a, I was going to say it's a mix of like um, I was trying to think of like a like a it's a mix of like a like a big ballroom scene in Titanic, you know, James Cameron scene where everything is you know sort of you know perfection, you know, as it were, mixed with say Manos the Hands of Fate or Hershey Gordon Lewis um, scene, and there um, and each 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 of those each of those the the sort of um, striving for perfection, striving for authenticity of whatever this is meant to be. Um, Each moment of that stands alongside the moment where it's like, ooh, those cobwebs look like, I think they sprayed that out of something just a moment ago. Ooh, that one guy looks like he's going to fall asleep. Maybe he's supposed to fall asleep. I don't know. But nothing, well, what happens in the minute is they bring in a young woman dressed in white, presumably virgin, and set her down at the altar in front of that old lady who we saw, and then the guy who brought her in uh, begins, he's the one you hear chanting suddenly very loudly, and then you kind of see the young lady, and then the the finale at the end is is that, is it, is it the head of a cane? Is it the head of a, a blade? Is it, it looks like it could be a slug, a giant slug with a huge mouth? I, I don't, um, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's um, it's having fun. So, so where something is about to happen, they're going to presumably sacrifice the Virgin and Sturba. Well, I think it's the old lady will um do whatever it is she needs to do. But uh, like I said, it's it's not a bad minute. It's it's a it's a, there's enough going on in the minute where especially in high def where you can see stuff really well. Um, or, or presumably on the big screen, you can see it really well. Uh, you you can scan around the room because they have filled the room up. It is it isn't like, you know, it isn't like a um, like a third series Batman villain set. You know, where they just like put a couple of big walls in the middle of a black set. And you know, if you like look past the walls, you're like, what's the Riddler doing with that space back there? You know, it's like it's like I have I have this large space, and I'm enclosing a smaller space within the large space. No, this is they're using the whole room. The whole space is being used, and this is a big, big to do going on. So um, I'll leave it there because I presumably in the next minute or two um, something will happen. I know I've been saying that a lot in this movie, and I've been saying that in Howling Seven too. But Howling Seven has all the great Clive Turnery, Ted, um, Patty, and uh, uh, Harriet and Pappy stuff, and darn it. Darn it, I was going to... You know, I told you, Guided by Voices, they're playing twice in, at the end of April at the Tetragrammon Ballroom, which I've seen them there 
two times, three times, um, uh, near the end of April, and then a day or two later, they're playing at Harriet and Pappy's, and I was going to treat myself, um, it's almost, almost almost Christmas, this is being recorded December 11th, I was going to treat myself when I got a little bit of bonus from work, I was going to get myself tickets for both the shows, the Harriet and Pappy's just sold out. Can you flip, flip and bleak it? I was going to say, can you flip and believe it? But um, that came out as you flip and bleak it. <sighs> that was my that was my excuse to go to Harriet and Pappy's. <sighs> I didn't I didn't think it would sell out for some reason. I thought there was more of like a country western biker kind of thing. But um, maybe I mean, from what I've seen, it doesn't look like it's a huge capacity. It looks like it's a club. Just uh, but but that the tetragram and boo 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 boo. I should buy my ticket soon. Is I should buy my ticket soon is what I'm saying. So I will be buying my ticket shortly um but that kind of lets me down a little that was um it's i'll be able to see one of the shows i've seen them 10 times i'm excited to see them again because they've had five albums out since the last time they were in la so here we go so sorry a little tangent let's hop into howling new moon rising i think wasn't it um they were talking about ted cheryl and the woman with the mullet and ted was in the background in the kitchen kind of staring at cheryl i think that's where it ended right I forget. Listen to this. Cheryl, did you hear any noises last night? Did something was spooking the deer. No, I didn't. Well, I heard something. Come on, we're late. You're going to walk or ride. Hey, Jack, how come you're wearing a jacket and shirt? <laughs> how we heard the story. The Count told a priest as he was dying. Remember? That, that confession. The Count was wrong. David was found dead. Mary Lou was never seen again. Until now? Yes. Victor. Would you may like some tea? Thank you, Sybil. Yeah, I'm supposed to know what's going on here because I'm going through it in depth minute by minute, but I forgot who Mary Lou and David were and what the priest said to the Count or whatever. That's from Howling 5. Mary Lou is the one who shot... Um, uh, shot the um, had had to take the shot at the two guys at the end, and they said she picked the wrong one. But I don't remember whether she shot David or not. I'm ah, jeez, I've for, I've forgotten this part. So Mary Lou was never seen again until until recently. I, was Mary Lou the one from the part six? Was she meant to be the one from part six or? Was she? Now I'm confused. I didn't think I would get so confused this minute because the first half of the minute is just goofiness with Jaro and that that one couple, um, Jacqueline and whoever his the the guy who's always wearing her shirts. Um, that's hilarity. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But the um, yeah, Mary Lou's gone missing and David was founded. I'm thinking I'm going to go back and check that she shot the person who wasn't David. And then David was found dead later, too. And the Count thought that David was still alive, as was Mary Lou, but Mary Lou was missing and David was dead. And now Mary Lou has been found again. But I forget which character she is. I I remember Cheryl, I remember Ted, Harriet and Pappy. I'm really, it's, 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 it's starting to get a little confusing here as to what the heck is going on with all the names and everything. And the, the way, too, it's like... You, you, it, it cuts right from Jaro doing whatever it is he's doing in the middle of a huge, dirty 
a dirt parking lot to um, the 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 priest saying his thing as the sheriff or as the police officer is sitting down and this is a new is this a new day is this later in the day i don't know i guess they this is them coming back from their walk it's almost implied like it's a brand new day but he's been listening to the story now for at least two days right and um so i'm, I'm sure i've got the mary lou and david thing wrong like i said i i will look that up again that is clive turner attempting to I, i've said this before and i'll probably say it again but but one and two are connected three is off in its own universe four kind of reboots everything by being the original story again five seems to have nothing to do with the original story although i think clive turner may make a brief appearance in four but i don't think it's meant to be the same character six again seems to have nothing to do with it but what seven is doing is attempting from four where the movie's rebooted to tie four five and six into seven so as as if the the werewolf in seven is some sort of werewolf that's been surviving from four into five to six or something like that. Uh, we'll we'll see more as it goes, and we'll probably get more confused as it goes because I think Mary Lou is the woman we see the photo of, and we see briefly in the in the freaks the shot from Howling Six, who was killed by the drifter, or I don't know why is it so confusing. It shouldn't be this confusing, and the thing is, it's just going to get more confusing. So I'm going to try to figure out who is who you know what i need to do is um grab a book with a cast list of howling five in it i think i have my oh i think i have a book here that may be able to help me um but yeah mary lou and david let me see if i can find the book if i can find it in 10 seconds i'll uh i'll be right back darn it the book i grabbed went up to howling four only i thought howling five was in it marie is the leading lady in um howling how the original nightmare uh, but I think Mary Lou and David are two of the characters in um, Mary Lou uh, 2, Prom Night 2. I'm kidding. Um, uh, are two of the characters in Howling 5. So I'm going to just stop right there because it's confused me now. But it's funny because the whole point of the scene seems to be when they, they throw this exposition at us, which is confusing, and then all of a sudden this lady comes in, uh, all, looks about their age, um, and she's got tea, and her name is Sybil. And the minute ends, and she has a bit of an accent... And we'll hear more of that in the next minute. But um, that's how it ends. And the um, the priest kind of gets a smile on her face when she enters. And the um, the policeman has a look on his face like, who on earth is this? And who are Mary Lou and David? So so I'll, that's, we'll stop there because we'll get more of this exposition in the next one. And yeah, the minute does begin with a brief split second of Ted looking at Cheryl in the, uh, in the kitchen. And then it cuts to Jaro and Jacqueline talking about um what spooked the horses and there's some wonderful dubbing there some wonderful uh, doris wishman style dubbing where she walks up to him they both stand up and turn away from the camera and you hear their voices and the thing is jacqueline's fine but jaro has that thick accent um where one almost gets the feeling that he might not know exactly what he's saying and so when they're talking it's like okay whatever and then when they pull up and he says to the guy why are you wearing Jacqueline shirt today um and uh, uh and that guy gives waves just waves his arm at him and <laughs> like well that wasn't um that was funny and slightly confusing the first two times we did that now having Jaro who's tough to understand and who doesn't seem to know what he's saying I think it's, it just sounds like he's parroting back what he's heard everyone else saying. But that's part of the amusement of it. I mean, I would love to see this on the big screen with people because you go from that running gag, which isn't, as far as I know, isn't funny to anyone except the people in the movie. 
maybe mm, that's a that's an interesting concept to have a running gag that's not funny to the people watching the movie just the people in the movie uh, so there's a running gag and then it immediately cuts to exposition where your mind is racing trying to figure out what's going on and then they introduce a new character and you're like what Mary Lou and David and Sybil what's happening tea what's going on I love the way Clive Turner sets up his movies you thought Doctor Who Flux got confusing at times you haven't seen a Clive Turner film or a Ted Turner film. I almost said Ted Turner because his character's name is Ted, and you get it. But yeah, you haven't seen a Clive Turner, Clive S. Turner film. So um, let's. Well, that's about it for this one. Let's let's wrap this up. Um, yeah, in the next minute we'll get more exposition and um, probably a virgin getting killed. Maybe not in that order. Don't hold me to that. Listen to this. <laughs> 